Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 36 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. If you have ever wondered if you're on the right path in life or if you've ever questioned your next career move or maybe if you just know that your mindset around success and self-worth needs a little tune-up, then this episode is for you, my friend. This week's guest is the epic, incredible, badass Ashley Stahl who has so much to share with us today. Not only does she have a super interesting background and story for how she became an uber-successful career coach, but she is also just a really cool human that has a a lot of wisdom and golden nuggets to share with the world. And I was lucky enough to pick her brain for you and get all of the deets on how you can get clarity on who we are and how that can manifest into a dream career, how to take a U-turn in life and reinvent ourselves when we're feeling out of alignment, how to navigate the job hunt as a millennial, and how to cultivate confidence and self-worth independent of your career and accomplishments. So now you're probably wondering who is this Ashley person and how is she so dang knowledgeable about so many important things. Well, let me tell you, she is an angel investor, writer, and career coach who empowers job seekers around the world in finding their purpose and landing more job offers. At age 23, Ashley managed a high-level program for the Pentagon, for which she was named a top 99 foreign policy leader under 33 and a power 30 under 30 leader for her work running the global threat intelligence team. While preparing senior officials for the front lines of the war on terror, Ashley launched her leadership firm, Ashley International Inc., which offers private coaching and unparalleled online programs to empower millennials to find their purpose, land more job offers, and increase their income. She's worked with thousands of job seekers in 25 countries via her online program, The Limitless Career Lab. Ashley is also a columnist for Forbes and has been featured on Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, Self Magazine, The Washington Post, Newsweek, and she's also given a TEDx talk called The Three Questions to Unlock your authentic career. I told you she is amazing and is going to take you to the next level today. And I just can't wait for you to hear this interview. But before we get into that, let's do the review of the week. This one comes from Grace K underscore Rodriguez, and she says, best podcast ever, five stars. I've just joined the Grind to Be Grateful crew right off the bat. I knew this podcast was for me. Welcome, Grace. I've literally binged every single episode since I found her, and I can feel myself transforming already. Because of Marie's podcast, I'm inspired to love myself, be more confident, and realize I'm not the only girl who's going through whatever I'm going through mentally. Marie is helping me every day through Instagram posts, podcasts, and YouTube videos to just be the best version of myself. I'll be telling all of my friends about her, and because of her, I found my direction that I will want to go with my psych degree. Once I feel that I'm at a place where I can help others like she does, I'm going to put out inspiring work to reach and help as many people out there that need it too. 
Thank you so much, Grace. I am so excited that you found me and it really makes like my day, my week, my life to know that this show is already making such a profound impact on you. And I can promise you that you are not alone in however you're feeling at any time. I hope that by being really vulnerable and bringing on a bunch of different women to share their stories that you really do feel like you are supported and part of a larger community because really the human experience, we are all going through a lot of the same things, but we just need to talk about them and just be honest and open. So thank you so much for being a supporter across all of my platforms. I would love to send you, Grace, a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt as a thank you. So if you're listening, please DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold and tell me your size and address so I can get that sent out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not Grace K. Rodriguez, you can get a chance to be the review of the week and receive a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt for yourself by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. I know know I say this every week and you probably always tell yourself, eh, I'll do it next time. But seriously, you guys, it really only takes one minute and it means the world to my team and I. You guys don't even see it, but this podcast takes a village and every rating interview helps support all of the work that my team puts in behind the scenes. So if you don't want to do it for me, then do it for them, okay? So head on over to iTunes on your phone or computer, find the ratings and review section and let us know how we're doing. We would love to hear from you. Hey, maybe you were wondering about this because two of the biggest questions I receive are one, what does my diet look like on a daily basis? And two, how do I have so much energy and confidence? And that second question is definitely a huge compliment and a huge victory for me because it definitely hasn't always been that way. But both of those questions are related and you might be surprised to hear that, but they're related to each other because my nutrition and taking good care of myself that way is a huge factor in my energy levels and my confidence and just how I'm able to show up in the world. I am a big believer that good nutrition is foundational self-care, and I'm also a big believer that eating right doesn't have to be boring, restrictive, or stressful. Like, guess what? I eat different foods all the time, and I eat dessert every single day, not even kidding. And I sometimes even have chocolate after every meal. (laughs) And while that sounds great, I also understand that nutrition can be a huge source of confusion because it's really easy to get it overcomplicated and that just doesn't do anyone any good. So I decided that the best way to communicate the way that I eat and how I pull off balanced nutrition without stressing is to just show you. So I'm sharing a totally free download with you guys and it's called what I eat in a day my stress-free strategy for balanced nutrition all you have to do to grab your copy for free is go to mariewold.com slash what I eat and that's m-a-r-i-e W-O-L-D.com slash what I eat. In that ebook, in that free download, I will show you what a real life full day of eating might look like for me. And you'll also learn how to choose meals that will make you feel energized and satisfied. My favorite resource for healthy recipes, how to simplify nutrition timing to fit your schedule, my go-to strategy for managing cravings and staying on track, how to create structure in your diet without adding stress, and so much more. So if If you are ready to grab your free copy and learn about nutrition in a stress-free way, head to mariewold.com slash what I eat and let's get into today's episode. (laughs) 
Hey, Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here with you. You're such a fun human. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you, I have to say. I was telling my podcast manager, I was like, Ashley is genuinely one of the most fun, interesting people I've ever met. Like, you're oh going to love God. this interview. So I'm so excited. If you guys don't already know Ashley, I met her through our mutual friend, Amanda, and she has such an interesting story. And now she is an expert on job hunting, you turning your life, finding your life's purpose, so many things. So I'm going to let you go over what you're an expert in because you know better than anyone. We have so much inspiring, motivating, like amazing information to cover. But can you tell us kind of who you are, what you do, and then take us down your kind of life path? Because especially career-wise, where you ended up is totally different than where you set out to go. And I think that that story is so interesting. Yeah, you know, thanks for asking. And it's so funny because there's so many different answers I could give you. I think ultimately (laughs) your career and anybody listening, I firmly believe that your career is an experiment that should meet you where you are in your life. And uh, a lot of people buy into beliefs that their career is this long-term pact that they have to make with themselves and they can't get out or that it's okay if they feel fine or just comfortable or that it's wrong for them to want something more and that they should just be grateful. Whereas to me, I feel like you're an evolving, growing being and as your career should be too. Mm, Yeah. I started my career early in my 20s. I, like everybody, had to pick a major in college if you went to school. And I didn't really know what was best for me. I didn't really know who I was. And there was something about picking a major that felt really exhausting because I didn't know. How do you know what you're meant to do in the workforce until you try it? Because, you know, clarity comes from engagement. It doesn't come from thought. You can't think your way into your life purpose. You can reflect on things that light you up, but ultimately really trying things on and experimenting is what's going to give you answers. And For me, picking a major was really daunting. I ended up going with government and history and French. I did three majors. I don't know if it was commitment phobia, wanting to keep doors open. I don't know (laughs) what inspired that, but I just was interested in all of it and ended up pursuing political science. I lived in France in 2008 and some experiences I had there, one of them being that the Middle East and politics in the United States school system is taught from somewhat of a pro-Israel lens. And when you move to France, it's taught from somewhat of a slant towards pro-Palestine. So there is a huge dichotomy in how the United States teaches world affairs in the Middle East and how Europe teaches it, especially in France. And what that really got me thinking a lot about was you know, how governments protect their citizens, how people buy into the stories that they see on the news. And I felt this weird, inexplicable interest in being able to contribute in some way to the truth of where things are, if there's such a thing. I wanted to protect people in some way because I grew up in the wake of 9-11. So just kind of a crazy career decision I made when I was living in France and studied abroad there and was honing in my French skills was that I wanted to work in the CIA, be a spy, and really make an impact in the world through having a good heart and wanting to be of service. And later I would find that wanting to help and wanting to be of service was just a misunderstanding that government was the way for me to do it. Ultimately, I would start a coaching business. But At the time, I just thought joining the government was the best way for me to do that. You know, because of that, I think that there have been 
so many different lessons that I've learned through experiencing the workforce in that way. But I ended up joining the counterterrorism world after grad school. I came home to LA, couldn't get a job to save my life, ended up taking an admin assistant job, was underpaid, was underused, was undervalued, and didn't really know if there was anything out there for me. Like, even though I'd studied counterterrorism, I was so scared. It was so hard for me to get a new job that I just thought this would be my new normal. And it took me months to get my admin assistant job. I just didn't know how to job hunt. And ultimately, I think the best jobs don't go to the most qualified candidates. They go to the best job seeker. And Mm, that's why it's so important that people really learn how to job hunt if they're in the workforce. So in my case, I called my college. I asked for a list of alumni. There were 2,000 that had moved to Washington, D.C. And over my lunch break for four months, I spent my lunch breaks calling these people cold. And, you know, you can imagine some people like hung, hung up the phone, didn't really know what to do with me. Other people were totally inspired to help me and stayed on the phone and went out of their way to make an impact on my life and help me. And it was incredibly inspiring. So a lot there for me, I think, in the counterterrorism networking process of talking to different people. I would say more than 80% of people just hung up on me, but the 20% that stayed on the phone helped me and changed my career and were willing to support me in ways that I can't even describe. So it was just a really powerful experience for me to take those phone calls, learn how to talk to people. Eventually, I got the confidence to quit my job, move to DC. I got enough traction through these phone calls where people were offering to help me. And from there, I moved to DC with no money in my pocket and continued to fall on my face, but also learned a lot about how to talk to people. I had 200 coffees in six weeks. (laughs) Ended up, you know, other than being highly caffeinated, ended up having lots of job offers. And in, you know, in that six week period, I got three job offers. I tripled my salary and was nearly making six figures and accepted a job running a program for the Pentagon. So that took me into the counterterrorism world and blew my mind because I was able to replace a colonel who. Wow you know, was in his 60s because they said that, you know, they needed somebody who had a lot of energy to execute. And there are too many leaders in that position that wanted to delegate. And so I came in with all of this energy and I networked my way into that job and learned a ton. But what I noticed was that I really missed my job hunt and learning that your life can change in a minute. You know, in six weeks, I went from an admin assistant to a six-figure management job and that in a new city. And that showed me how, job hunting can change the world when you really know what you're doing. And eventually that lent itself to me creating online programs like the Job Offer Academy, which is my e-course to help people land a new job, or the Career Clarity Lab, helping people figure out what kind of job they want. So ultimately that experience lent itself to me starting a coaching business later in my career. And that has kind of been where I've settled now and just really enjoyed myself in privately coaching people and figuring out their purpose in the workforce and, you know, supporting people in their job hunt and in starting their business. And it's been such a crazy journey to to find this path in the middle of a job hunt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many places where we can like zero in on and talk about all of the things that you've learned and the wisdom that you have to share. But before we like expand on any one topic, I want to do one quick win. So what is one thing that you would tell someone who is struggling to find their direction in life the way you were? 
I mean, kind of touching on what I said earlier, clarity comes from engagement. It doesn't come from thought. And so I would say the most important thing is what can you do to engage in your process of clarity? Because far too often people are asking themselves, how do I get clarity? What do I, how do I figure out what I want to know? But when somebody doesn't feel like they have clarity, I just think they're not connected to themselves. They don't know what they like or they dislike. Mm. Once you know yourself, the workforce becomes easy. Then it's like, what skill do you want to use? What jobs allow you to use that skill? And so ultimately, I would say that process of learning how to figure out what your skills are, I think is a process of engagement. It's about going out there, talking to people, figuring out what lights you up every day, perhaps keeping a joy journal where every single day for 30 days, you write down the one thing that you really enjoyed and noticing a pattern 30 days later in what you did every day that kind of translates across 30 days what skill you were using. Asking people where they've seen you at your best is really good feedback. Sometimes we're using skills we don't realize are easy for us and obvious for us, but not obvious for other people. Definitely. Yeah. So I feel like a common kind of trend and theme with people who are post-grad or they're back into the job hunt scene, they have this belief that they just need to kind of take what they can get and that, you know, a job is a job for a reason. Like, most people don't like their jobs. It's kind of like, it's not realistic to expect to do something that you like, or at least is in alignment with your skills. Can you talk about like expectations post-grad and whether or not people can expect to get a job that they at least enjoy most of the time? I think the first priority when you graduate is to get a job that lends itself to honing the skill set you want to grow. I don't think it should be about money. I mean, obviously money matters. You need to be able to support yourself. But I think the priority should be where can I grow a skill set that I really value and I'm excited to grow because you carry your skill set with you throughout the entire course of your career. I think one of the myths that people buy into is that they should love what they do. I think you should really like what you do and you should be growing your skill set. I think loving what you do is, is really high pressure and there are rhythms just like a good marriage. Like some people have good years and they have bad years. And I think ultimately your career is about really saying, where am I brilliant? What skill set do I use that I'm great at, that I really enjoy using? And how can I use my career as a vehicle to really hone that skill set? And, you know, far too often, I think there's two dynamics in your career. There's the what of what you're doing, what skill you're using, what job you have, and the how. And the how has to do with your core values, like personal balance, time with family, your schedule, the culture at work. That's kind of the how of how your job looks. And so I think that there's two dynamics that people should be asking themselves throughout their career. The first one is, what do I want to do? What skill set do I want to hone? And the second one is, how do I want to do it? What's important to me? Is family important to you? How important? Is it more important to you than earning a certain living? Everybody has a different view of what matters to them in their career. Right. And I really love that you brought up like, it's not necessarily about loving what you do every day. It's about liking it and like furthering your skill set and picking a skill set that you that is like in alignment and meaningful to you. But I think the whole idea of like if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life is like kind of terrifying because you could go your whole life doing stuff that like is a strong skill for you. It's kind of it's in your zone of genius. You're contributing to the world. It allows you to have that work-life balance. And if you don't love it every day, you still think it's not a good fit. But in reality, like no matter what your career is, there are always going to be rough patches or hard things or things that you just don't want to do, right? Exactly. I think that people It's like the same thing with dating and marriage. It's like you can't expect one person to give you everything. You can't expect your career to give you what requires an entire village and requires a relationship with yourself. 
Right. For sure. And so when you finally quit your admin job and like went back onto the job hunt, how did your mindset change between your first job search versus like hitting the pavement, cold calling all these people? What was that shift like? Mm, Such a good question. I think ultimately when it comes to your mindset, the shift was that I decided I was going to do everything I could to have some sort of dominion over my career and that I didn't want my career to keep happening to me. Ultimately, I wanted to create a life by design and not by default. And I think a lot of people let their careers happen to them and buy into a lot of stories about what's possible for them and a lot of limitations. And I get it. When you buy into limitations, it keeps you small. And when you're small, you don't have to be vulnerable and put yourself out there Mm. and rejection or failure or not being good at something and getting fired. Like It's one of the scariest things. But Ultimately, for me, my mindset, I got more scared of not self-actualizing. I got more scared of leaving my life on the table and not actually pursuing what I wanted than I was of putting myself out there and failing. And I started to see my career as more of an experiment, like I said earlier, where it was less about me being amazing and more about me finding myself through it. Yeah. And so the fear of the unknown can be so, so strong that it holds you small for a super long time. And so was there like, was it just kind of a transition from the fear of the unknown being stronger to then it was a slow spectrum? Or was there like a pivotal moment where you're like, you woke up and you're like, I can't do this? I think it was a little whisper along the way. And I think the way life works is that it kind of hits you with a two by four when you don't pay attention (laughs) to the whispers. And so some people that looks like a divorce or like a midlife crisis where they're like spending all their money on a sports car or going into debt or like something super disconnected, which happens when you don't listen to those little whispers. Because, you know, let's face it, I have gone through huge wins and losses in my career and in my business. I've gone into debt. I've gone into wealth. And what I found is when I've gone into debt, the deeper the debt, the more I'm just not willing to listen or pay attention to the whisper that I've been hearing all along. So Mm, is with your career. Like if you're in a career that you really don't like and one day you wake up and realize you don't like it, that's because you haven't been connecting to yourself enough to hear the whispers that it might not be a fit for you. And I think ultimately being able to hear that is all about the relationship and connection you have to your body. Your body is either expanding or contracting in any given moment. And when you're in your job, when you're having conversations, when you're at your computer, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, you will notice if you want to, there's a relaxation or a constriction inside of you. And it's so important to start to track those things to figure out what skills am I using where I feel expansion? What skills am I using where I feel contraction? It's all just feedback for you to be the person you're meant to be in the world. I love that. And I really like you talking about like listening to the whispers because there are so many nudges in life that are like trying to direct you into the right direction. But if you just keep ignoring them, brushing them off, like you will get smacked eventually. But if you tune into the nudges and are trying to, you know, course correct as you go along, you won't have to have one of those like cold, hard realities where you get smacked, like we said. Exactly. And I think a lot of people probably wonder like, where is it, where is it that I'm lukewarm and where is it that it's like a whisper I need to listen to? And ultimately, I think that people just need to lighten their heaviness that they're tying into their career. If you have a whisper that's not the right job for you, start to gauge it. Like there's even apps, and I wish I knew the name of one, where you can literally just gauge how happy you are every day with your career and start to rate it and maybe use it as a rating system. Like, okay, the moment more days are unhappy than happy, I'm going to use that as an indicator. Like you get to decide what you're willing to give to your career and where there's a boundary for you. And also it comes back down to your core values. And 
I have a free core values guide over if, if I'm able to mention it. I don't know, Marie. Yeah, um, for sure. At uturnpodcast.com. It's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com um, slash core values. Your core values and that core values guide is such a key ingredient for you being who you are in the world. And I think that the most important thing and the best indicator for it to be time to go when you're hearing those whispers is if you look at your core values and you realize that one of your top five are not being met. And I think that that's something that when I'm coaching somebody either in a course that I have or privately, I'm really caring a lot about like, who is this person? Because some people have very unique core values. And one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're thinking about their core values is they're looking at them from an aspirational lens, meaning they'll say, one of my core values is peace. But it's like, no, you're you're not the most peaceful person. (laughs) It's like, you want to look for core values that are core to who you are, not who you want to be, who you are. Mm, like, yeah. You know, right now I'm pretty serious. Like I'm focused on clarity with you, but like usually I have a sense of humor and I'm really light. Um, <laughs> without humor, like I don't exist, you know? And so that's a core value for me. Yeah. So when people think about core values, I feel like one misconception is that your core values career-wise will always align with what you love, like just whatever you love to do the most. So for me, that would be like, I like one of my favorite things to do since as long as I can remember is ride horses. I love it so much, but I would never want that to be what I do as my career. And so for you, like you've said before that political science is what you love, but career coaching is what you do. So can you talk about how people can like walk the line between figuring out what they love and what they enjoy spending their time on versus what we do in a sense that it like aligns with our core values, but it's not like that passionate side thing that we want to keep special. This is an amazing question. I would say passion is something you're going to do whether you're paid for it or not. Like for example, right now I'm writing my book for Hay House. I would write this book whether Hay House paid me to do it or not. Like luckily I got paid for it. It doesn't, but it would not have changed me doing it. That's passion. I think that excitement is something that fades and it's not long lasting. So I think people first need to track things and decide, is this something I'm just really excited about right now or am I always going to be excited about this? And you can kind of look at your track record and your relationship with it. As far as figuring out your calling and what you're really meant to do in the world, I think that that's a blend of, and by the way, I think a lot of people also misunderstand their interests. You know, like, are you interested or do you truly love and feel a sense of joy? It's the same thing as excitement versus passion. Is it everlasting? Is it something that you would do all the time? Are you so interested that it's a passion? Or is it just an excitement that you have right now? Is it the flavor of the week? How do you figure that out? I think number one, your best skill sets and who you really are, it's rooted in your upbringing. It's rooted in your childhood. You've always been that person. Everybody has a foundational skill set. Maybe they have been a teacher their whole life, a talker, a communicator. Maybe they've been a builder. Maybe they've been someone who likes to work in a team. Like there's foundational identities that everybody has. And I think if you start to look back on your life and you ask people that question, where have you seen me at my best? Or, you know, where have I made a really big impact at work? Your colleagues, your friends, your family, they they might give you answers that surprise you. There was a really incredible episode I did on my U-Turn podcast with a guy named Dan Cable, and it's called How to Feel Alive at Work. And he gave some of the most innovative ways to take a job that you don't feel excited about and how to mold it into something that actually works for you, um, how to be innovative with your job. 
to make it into an awesome job. And this was one of his exercises was, where do you feel your best? And he said, in research, people know you better than you know you by witnessing Mm. you. And research shows that even in relationships that couples don't know their future as well as the friends that are around them know if they're going to make it last. So, you know, it's one of those things that you know thyself and a lot of us don't know ourselves. Yeah. I actually had my group mentorship girls do an exercise like that just last week. It was like a self-perception exercise where like, how do you identify yourself? What are the words that you use to describe yourself? And then go ask the five people closest to you, like how they would describe you at their worst and then how they would describe you at your best and see if it's in alignment. And for a lot of people, like they were surprised at what people came back to them with because our self-perception is not always accurate, like whether it's in our job or our personal lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want to go back to your TED talk. I don't know if I even said that the last, like the last thought of political science is what you love, but career coaching is what you do. That's from your TED talk. So can you tell us just kind of a rundown of what that was about? And then the three questions that were like the central theme of that talk. Mm, great question is again. Thanks. I would say, <laughs> yeah, you're you're such a good podcaster, Dan Marie. I'm like, oh. I salute you right now. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I would say, so the TED Talk was all about my pivot from working in counterterrorism to being a career coach. And I think in retrospect, what it's really about is following what feels right for you and trusting that your purpose and what you're really meant to do is on the periphery of that or right in front of you. So for me, job hunting in DC felt really good. Did I know if that was actually going to be my life's path? I didn't know. I wanted it to be because I didn't want to have to go through the struggle of not having a plan anymore. And I know that that's really torturesome for a lot of people is not having a plan. So I think that my transition from the Pentagon to being a career coach and helping people privately coaching and in e-courses with figuring out what they want to do with their lives and landing new jobs, that came from my direct experience of following what felt good. And following what felt good was landing a job at the Pentagon. And on the periphery of that, I learned how to job hunt. And that became what felt good. So I followed that created a business around that. So that kind of flow has been guiding me in my career. And I made that pivot and and I was invited to do a TED Talk. So it came down to three questions that I think everybody can ask themselves that I have in my TED Talk, which is called three questions to unlock your authentic career. Question number one is what am I good at? So that's really about figuring out not what you're interested in, but what you're great at, because you can go do something you're good at in a field you're interested in. But first, what comes is what are you good at? What skill are you going to be honing and carrying with you throughout your career? The second question is, what do people tell me I'm good at? So that's kind of going back to like, where am I at my best? Really looking at other people's knowledge, wisdom, and what they're seeing on you, because a lot of the things, you know, it's hard to read the label. When you're inside the jar, you know, it's hard (laughs) to know what you're good at. And so I would say using what other people tell you is so helpful. And then I think what's holding me back is really the third question. That's a mindset question because far too often, if I'm coaching a new entrepreneur launching their business, they have mindsets about money and that they can't make money doing what they love or what they're interested in or what they're excited about. And it's like, that is what's holding them back is all the stories we tell ourselves, all the layers. It's like, we have a dream and it's like this shiny, joyful thing. And then we just cover it in all of this muck of all these stories that ruin, you know, separate us from what we really want. 
Yeah. Do you have like a go-to process or recommendation for the people going through your courses or your clients that you work with and they have all of these limiting beliefs and stories that they tell themselves? Do you have like a framework that you usually take people through or advice on where to start kind of dismantling all of that muck? Yeah, it's a really, really deep process. And for most people who have like trauma, because most of our beliefs in the world are set by age, you know, seven to 12. And so anything that influences you, like your programming is pretty set by them, how you see success, how you see love, how you see yourself. Anything that really changes you after that is trauma. So if anybody has like traumatic experiences, like a relationship that really did a doozy on them or a a loss in business or in their career, usually that trauma takes a lot more deeper coaching work. And that's one of the biggest joys that I've done working with people. But I would say a start is for people to figure out what aspect is dominating their life right now. So maybe right now you just went through a breakup and the aspect you're facing is heartbreak. Maybe you just went through a loss of your job and an aspect of yourself you're dealing with is hopelessness. Maybe you're feeling lost in your career and the aspect you're working through is feeling lost. Whatever aspect you're dealing with of yourself right now, I would do like a seven to 30 day journaling process of free form writing where every morning you give that part of you a voice. You write directly from that part of you. So what that looks like is every morning you pull out your journal and you write from that voice of fear or loss or whatever it is. So Maybe that looks like you putting your pen to paper, almost like feeling like there's like a troll, like the troll of heartbreak, <laughs> troll of like of worry or the troll of anger, rage, whatever you're dealing with, speaking to you in your ear and you just channel it in your writing. So just free form write. Like, so maybe it says, I'm hopeless. I'm scared. Nothing's going to happen for me. Like let it write whatever it has to say. Sometimes people will write for a minute from that voice. Sometimes people will write for 10 minutes. Usually after 10 minutes, you're going to find a lot of subconscious material come up, things you didn't know that you thought. And a lot of the things you write are subconscious beliefs because there's this aspect of you that's believing these things. From there, I would pick the belief that hurts the most. So maybe, you know, as you're writing from the voice of heartbreak or hopelessness or anger or whatever, there's something that it writes about you or the world or your current reality that hurts you the most. And that's the thing that I would forgive yourself for. So I would look at it and say, I forgive myself for buying in the belief that, and whatever it says, that nothing's going to happen for me, that I'll never figure out what I'm meant to do, that I'm not worthy of that raise, or I don't deserve that partner. The truth is, and then you update it with something that feels true for you. And, you know, so just writing down that statement, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that the truth is really, really powerful. Oh, yeah. I think that it's so awesome that you take this approach to the job search and career development because I think so many times when before I decided I was going to just go it on my own and start my own business like straight out of college, I don't know where I got that like sense of confidence that was going to work on the first try. Thankfully, it has so far. But when I was initially going through school and I thought that my like my thing was to climb the corporate ladder. I was really excited to go into like corporate marketing. All of the like job hunt advice from my college, from the internet, it was all very just tactical and emotionless. Like it was all just, this is what your resume format should look like. And this is how you should write a cover letter and like all just tactical kind of step-by-step sort of stuff. But you take a more emotional approach and you put like feelings back into it because that is such a big part of it. And I think if people don't tackle 
not tackle, but if people don't work through these things before they get the job, like they're going to find that even once they land a job, they're still not going to be happy because they have so much stuff to work on inside. Would you say that's true? Exactly. Exactly. I think ultimately the voice inside of you is going to keep going. Like if you think your happiness is in your paycheck or your job, but you don't feel worthy, that voice of unworthiness, no matter what result you create in the outer world is going to keep running unless you work with it directly. Mm-hmm. So yes, I love that you said like tying our worth to our job, whether it's our salary or our promotion or our position that we have in the company or whatever it is. Like that is such a big thing that people struggle with, including myself. Like as an entrepreneur, my business is my life. My life is my business. And I'm learning more and more how to like create separation between the two. But one thing that has made me need to create that separation is that I'm tying my self-worth to how my business is doing. So if a launch doesn't go so well, like I feel like a personal failure, right? So have you ever experienced anything like that with entrepreneurship or in your previous career? Yeah. I mean, I would say that for the longest time, I made myself believe that my worthiness was tied in my results and I bought into that. And ultimately, what I learned, I think, through business is that I created a lot of success through an e-course that I had scaled through a webinar and you know, I made and lost millions. And what I found was when I was making the millions, I thought to myself, oh my God, my advice and what I have to say must be solid because it's creating results for me. But then there were times where when I was losing money, all the advice and all the things I knew weren't working. And I realized like, there's so many different elements. There's your talent, there's your grit, there's your vision and your clarity, which is something I've helped a lot of people with. But also there's just grace. And sometimes grace comes in and it's just this force of nature that changes your life. And it's the right timing. It's the right offer. It's the right market. And then other times, grace isn't working on your side and the universe is telling you one big no. You're not getting the results you want. And so what I found is that I'm powerful, but I'm only so powerful. And so I've learned to just surrender and realize that sometimes I'm going to have a big hit. Other times, I'm not. You know, and I've also done my own healing modality. So the part of you that doesn't feel worthy, like that journaling exercise, like journaling from it every day, the part of you that doesn't think you're worthy or deserving, and then forgiving yourself for those beliefs. And self-forgiveness is a process. It's not an event. It's like once a day, I forgive myself for something and I keep doing it. And it's like a boulder where we just keep chipping away at it. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest takeaways from like this part of our conversation is like when you have these feelings coming up, whether it's unworthiness or guilt or frustration or fear or whatever it is, like stuffing it down and just trying to bulldoze over it is not going to help you. Like if anything, it's just going to make it worse when you actually do have to deal with it down the road. Like the universe is just gonna be like, hello, I was trying to teach you something, listen up. And like the lesson is just going to get more and more painful unless you learn to like sit with it, process it and be like, okay, I hear you. Let's work through this. I want to understand you so that I can let you go. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is so, so good. And I want to also talk about just like your personal development, because from your story and hanging out with you and your mom over dinner, when we were in San Diego together, it sounds like you've always been like really tenacious and had kind of a go-getter spirit. Would you say that that's accurate? Or like, has it been something that you've really honed over time? You know, both. It's like, I've always had a lot of energy. And I feel like when I was a kid, I remember being in kindergarten and feeling like my body was like too small to fit. (laughs) You know, it was like, I just had so much. And so I think ultimately as an adult, I've learned to harness it into creation. And part of that has been like noticing when I'm starting to feel burnt out and like 
really trusting those gestation periods where my next step is like a seed in the ground that I've planted and I'm not really sure what it's going to look like yet. And, you know, ultimately in my career, what's been so important is being able to create peace when I don't know and I don't have the answers versus forcing an answer just for the sake of it. And it doesn't mm. mean that I'm not engaging and trying things on. It just means that I'm not forcing myself to know. Yeah. So having that like sense of belief, would you say that that's one of the biggest kind of takeaways for how to bounce back? Because like you said, you have faced failure in your previous career. You faced failure in entrepreneurship where you lost a lot of money. Like is just grace and patience kind of the secret there? Yeah. I think it's like having a vision that you feel aligned with because a lot of people who come into my practice, like when they tell me they have low energy, I just hear that they're low on purpose. They don't feel connected Mm. to what they're doing. Because have you ever realized like when you're tired, but then you get really excited about something, you feel really purposeful about it. You get energy. It gives you energy. It's like a battery charger. And so I found that number one is like feeling really clear about what you want to do and feeling really connected to it. And then I think secondly, yes, like having a relationship with the unknown where you're willing to let it be there. And it doesn't mean you resign. It doesn't mean you kill over. It just means that you allow it to be there. You take inspired action and you honor your rhythms. You honor your body. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to be in a phase in your career where you just want to kind of coast. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's all part of the rhythm of figuring out what you want to do in the world and having the energy to go execute on that. Right. And also longevity too. Like I see people like Gary Vee, for example, and he's like, I work 20 hours a day, every day. Like, and I'm like, I would burn out in, you know, a month. Like, I'm so glad that you've been able to do this for your whole life, but that's not always realistic. So I think it's so important for everyone to like, just be honest and present within themselves to figure out what is going to be a good rhythm for them and like what's going to make it sustainable because when you do feel that like really light powerful energy when you feel like you're in your purpose it can be easy to kind of get ahead of yourself and just go like full steam ahead without any regard for the fact that like you're a human this can't last forever like we all have kind of a burnout zone and so you have to kind of stay balanced and stay aware of your personal like your personal needs in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that that's all part of people who say they need clarity when really they're disconnected. It's like not knowing your likes, your dislikes, or your needs and your core values. Mm, so kind of sure. back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another way to create energy too, I think, is taking really good care of yourself. Like personally, when I'm on point with eating well and moving my body and like getting enough sleep and all that sort of stuff, I have a lot more energy and clarity around my business. So is that something that you personally practice or is that you teach your clients and your students in your courses? Yeah, exactly. I think that listening to the rhythms of your body, wellness has been something that I get more and more interested in as I kind of ascend and work on myself because I'm realizing that if you don't have your physical handled, you can't do your mental. Like you can't think when your body is not handled. And I didn't really realize that until lately I I started to get a bit of brain fog and it was really affecting my life. And I started kind of working on like my diet and what I was eating and my allergies and taking a blood test for inflammation and that really shifted the game for me when I started to eat better and realize, wow, is this what normal feels like? I feel <laughs> you know, like I didn't even realize I was creating from so much exhaustion, you know? Right, for sure. 
And, okay, I want to talk about there's this funny triangle graphic that went around when I was in college. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a triangle. And on each side of the triangle, it's, like, good grades, social life, and enough sleep. Now choose two. Like, you can only be on one side of the triangle. So how have you been able to, like, find that middle ground, find balance in your career, in your social life, which I feel like you're one of the most, like, social adventurous people that I know, and also, like, taking care of yourself. How have you found that balance? That means so much that you say that because it's like one of my core values is friendship and it matters to me a lot. I I would actually go as far to say that I love my career, but it will never fill me quite like a connection with a friend that I'm just sitting there with. And I think I've created a lot of friends that do look at me and I look at them like family. And the amount of ways that people have shown up for me, like, you know, Amanda Bucci, it's like there's just so many people who have done so much to support me. I would say I keep the balance by being a hell yes or a hell no. And if there's anything I feel like I have a zone of mastery in, it's this, is boundaries. Like I only am, like people know that I want to do something because I'm there. And people know that I don't because I said I didn't. Like I yeah. never say yes when I my heart and body says no. Like, And that has translated into some people having stories about me. You know, like there's a lot of amazing girls in my group of friends, but I pride myself on being an excellent friend to a handful of girls in my life that mean the world to me. And they really show up for me. And my way of honoring them as being their friend is in saying no. And I look at my calendar and I think, okay, I have this many hours of, I have 20 hours of content creation this week. And I need 10 hours of spaciousness throughout my work week to not like, I can't just keep outputting content as a a writer. So I kind of look at my week and I'm like, I can only write for like four hours a day. And then I need a few hours of space. I can't be on. And then when I look at my friendships, it's like, okay, like I have a few free nights this week. I don't have space for somebody new in my life. And I would love to have space for somebody new, but I don't. And I've been honest with people. There have been some amazing women who have come towards me and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I so appreciate the invite. I wish I could. I'm in a place right now where I'm feeling a bit slim on my work calendar. Like, let me circle back when I'm in a different place. And if I'm in a different place, I'll totally circle back. And if I'm not, I just continue to honor the friendships that I've already decided are a hell yes for me. That is so amazing. And having boundaries is something that I've really been working on the last few years as well, because I feel like my energy has become more and more precious to me, especially I've dealt with like health issues in the last couple of years. And so I've just realized what it feels like to be drained versus like fully alive and boundaries really protect that like aliveness. And so has that come naturally to you? Or has that been something that you've really had to work on? I think like the human condition is is one of those things where we don't make a change until we're so miserable that we're no longer afraid of the unknown. Like we're mm. just so miserable that we don't even care. I've learned that when I'm lukewarm, I, that's when I start to ask questions. So for me, when it comes to boundaries, I got so miserable. I was like the queen of like everybody picking my brain and I, it was hurting my business. It was hurting my income. I became a resentful person. I would rather be authentic and uncomfortable than inauthentic and resentful. And yes. a lot of the times when you say yes, when it really means no, that is one step closer to being inauthentic and resentful. Like I can't tell you how many dinners I've sat through that I didn't want to be there and realizing like, I don't want anybody in my life to say yes to me if they mean no. And one of the things that have been so powerful in my friendships is that girlfriends know that they can say no to me. They could change their mind on me. So I'm the first person and it's so 
healing for all of us. So if a friend emails me and is like, Hey, I know we had dinner tomorrow. I feel really depleted. I want to check out and sit on the couch. I'm like, no problem. If they email and and granted, we're not flaky with each other. It's not like a common habit where like an hour before dinner, we're like, Hey, we don't want to show up for each other. But there have been times where a friend will be like, I'm so depleted today, Ash. Is it okay if we don't do it? And they know that they're going to be met with a yes, like a supportive, loving, like, I'm so glad you told me what you need. No problem. Take care of your body. And it has set me free. So when I do that with them and I set a boundary and I'm like, Hey, I can't do that. Or a friend will say, Hey, can my girlfriend pick your brain? And I've said like, well, how good of a friend is it? If it's a really good friend, hell yes. If it's an okay friend, no, like I'm too tired. And the friends that truly love me love this about me. And the Mm -hmm. friends that don't get me, they don't exist. Like I have people in my life that just totally get me and see me for, you know, the soul that I am and the person that I am. And I like to think of myself as like, I love people so much. I'm so welcoming. And every now and again, a new person comes into my life where I'm like, shit, I don't have any time, but I'm going to try and make it because they're so (laughs) magical. But on the most part, like the friends in my life, like if you were to ask them, like who shows up for you, I know with 100% confidence that there's a few girls that would be like, Ashley is the person that like when I think about my life, when I think about somebody dying or like my business falling apart, like she's the one that shows up at my doorstep. To me, that is so fulfilling to have those few people that know I'm there and I have those people that when shit hits the fan, I know that I can count on a few friends like family. They, I can call them at 3 a.m. when my car stalls on the side of the freeway. Pun intended. Ashley Stahl. (laughs) Like, I know that they're going to show up. And that is not something I think a lot of people have in their friendships. And it's it's like an invisible support net that I know I have at all times. It creates a level of willingness in my side to create boundaries all the time when I have to. And it's not like I'm Fort Knox where people are like, can you do this? And I'm like, no, (laughs) it's more just like an awareness where something starts to creep in. And I notice that it's taking away from these connections that are number one priority to me at all times. Right. And so not that this is necessarily like a friendship episode, but I think that everyone listening, including me is now curious as to what is your, like, what are your thoughts on how you've attracted such high quality friendships? Yeah. Well, I love this question because I don't really believe in attracting. I think you get what you put up with. And I think that in life, it's not about attracting what's right for you. I think it's about saying no to what's wrong for you. Because when you're with what's wrong for you, you're taking up a lot of space in your life and you're distracted. And if it's a dating situation, you're with the wrong person. Like maybe you're walking by Joe Schmo in the street who would have been the right person for you, but you're too busy fighting with that boyfriend to even notice him sitting there in the coffee shop, of course, you know? So I think life is really about just continuing to be fearless and looking at what's good and saying no to it so that there's space for what's great, what's amazing, what's life-changing. And I think that's what inspired me to create the U-Turn podcast. Like a lot of what we talk about on that show is boundaries and what's a hell yes, what's a hell no, and how to heal from the limiting mindsets that keep you judging yourself and that keep you not allowing that space for the things that you really want. So I think that's one thing is continuing to be like, nope, um, I don't need to make time for this person. I don't think that, I think that last time we hung out, all they did was talk about themselves. They didn't ask me about me at all. That seemed to be like a pattern. Maybe it's not one time, but it's multiple times, you know, and you've been able to make a decision. 
That's one step. I think not being afraid to be like, to not have plans. I would rather have no plans than to have plans with somebody that isn't deepening my connection to life and my spirit with someone else. So I try to keep my space alive. I show up to things. I I try to be somebody that brings people together. So when I find one good person, I'll be like, hey, let's have dinner. Do you know anybody that you think is really amazing that we should invite? So I'm constantly trying to connect and bring people together. And through that muscle, I've created multiple amazing relationships in my life. You know, to give you an example, I have a girlfriend, one of them that I really care about. She has a long distance relationship in New York. And the other day she texted me and said, Hey Ash, I know you're traveling a lot. What are your dates? Because I'm going to see my new boyfriend and I don't, I don't want to overlap with you. I want to make sure there's like a grace period where we're both in town so we can see each other. Oh yeah. Like that level of devotion to each other. There was a time where I was getting out of debt and lost all my money. And one of my friends had a vacation house and she was like, Hey Ash, why don't you let go of your apartment that you can't afford anymore and stay in my vacation house for a few months and just get back on your feet. It's like this level of generosity and connection has come through being discerning and being able to say no to the lukewarm and not be afraid of the spaciousness and the absence of that amazing friend, but keep in honoring that spaciousness so that the amazing friend can come in. That's how the world works. It works its magic on you when there's space for it. Mm -hmm. That brought our whole conversation full circle because we were also talking about how when things aren't working out in your career or you just don't know what your next move is, like just allow things to unfold and like be patient and have the right intention and like things will happen the way that they need to happen. So that was like the perfect full circle moment. Ah, beautiful. I love (laughs) Yes. Love when that happens. So this was so much good stuff. Where can people find you? Where can they get your courses? Where can they hear more from you? Thanks for asking. You know, a lot of you are probably trying to figure out what you want to do in your career. If you're going through some of that, I would say I have a free course for you to figure out the best career path for you. It is U-Turn Podcast, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. And then of course that core values guide is at uturnpodcast.com slash core values. So those are two awesome resources. Otherwise, all of my stuff is over at ashleystall.com. Just my name. I'm on Instagram at Ashley Stall. I love to hear from you. And my favorite thing I'm working on right now is my podcast, the U-Turn Podcast. So if you tune in, it's really there to elevate your mindset and work and love. And it has been such a joy to do it. Isn't having a podcast just the best thing? Like I I always say it's like, it's part of my business, but it's also kind of this selfish thing because now I have an excuse to talk to like amazing people every single week. And it's just brought so much joy and connection into my life too. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think that it's, it kind of, sometimes my U-turn podcast feels like Ashley's free coaching hour. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right, right. Okay. Amazing. There's actually one last question though, because this is the grind and be grateful podcast we have got to know what is one thing that you're currently grinding for and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for Mm, one thing I'm grinding for right now is working through all of the mindsets that keep me from writing my book it feels really confronting to share my life story there's so many intimate things that have happened to me that I want to share in the book in service to the reader And one thing I'm grateful for right now, I mean, I'm always grateful for is my friendships. Like nothing is possible without the connections that feed me. And I would say like Sarah Stewart, Amanda Bucci, Libby Crow, Alyssa Nobrega, like there are like a few women out there that are changing the world and they're changing mine every single day. 
Oh, I love that. And I just, you are such a good friend and such a great example of how to show up for your life, be on purpose, not be on cruise control. So thank you so, so much for being here, for sharing your time, your wisdom. So you guys listening, please go show Ashley some love, tell her thank you, and just give her all of the love and praise that she deserves because she's awesome. Oh, Marie. <laughs> Let's hug through the computer. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. And I'll talk to you again soon. Oh, you too. Thank you. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends